I think the most common thing that I hear families talk about is wanting to preserve or protect something in case they were to require nursing care in the future and they don't want to blow through all of their money and they don't want to have to sell the vacation home or even their primary home to cover the nursing home bills. Do you know what will happen to your loved ones when something happens to you? If you don't know the answer or don't like the answer, then this is the show for you. Listen up as we teach you about protecting your family legacy through better estate planning. Our family is here to protect yours. So welcome to the Complete Estate Planning Podcast with attorney Nick Rosenbauer. And here's your host, Ben George. Glad to have you back on Complete Estate Planning. I'm Ben George along with Nick Rosenbauer, estate planning attorney and the owner of Rosenbauer Law Office. And you can find them online at CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. Today, we're talking about trusts once again. And the the question today is, how many trusts do you need? And Nick, this isn't a question I ever would have thought of. I just would have kind of assumed, hey, I got a trust set up, right? I'm, uh, I'm in good shape. Well, you, I guess the, the lawyer answer in me is it depends. Um, mm-hmm. That's something that they, they certainly teach us on, uh, on day one of law school. Um, typically, that'll be good enough, but we'll go through uh, uh, back in the day, so 10, 15, 20, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. uh, that was not the case. So life has gotten simpler uh, than it was years ago. But um, the second thing is, uh, I'm going to run through. We have some special circumstances. Again, doesn't always happen, but I'll go through maybe the top three or four scenarios where, you know, this is a special scenario where we may want to want to go through things a little bit uh, differently. And sometimes it's just cleaner. But again, okay. uh, there's 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 no one size fits all. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll run through a number of those things. <laughs> Very good. If you haven't joined us before, glad to have you here. We continue to uh, to have good feedback on the podcast. We appreciate everybody has listened and and subscribed to the podcast. If you haven't yet, please do so. But you'll find everything online at CincinnatiEstatePlan.com, and that's also where you can schedule a consultation for you and your family with uh, with the Rosenbauer Law Office and get that estate plan in order. If you have any questions about what we discussed today with trust and want to follow up, that's the best place to do so. But you can also call Nick directly at 513-463-6789. Nick, how's the end of the year typically look for you? I know we're recording this towards the end of 2021. You guys busy? I mean, how does the estate planning world work towards the end of the year? So uh, we, this is kind of an artificial busy season for us. Um, usually October uh, is when we start getting a whole lot of calls uh, and I guess it's because people want to get things wrapped up before the holidays, before the end of the year. I mean, everyone's holidays seems like now is is crazy hectic. It's it, I haven't had a relaxing Christmas break in a long time, uh, Ben. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know the last time you did. <laughs> um, so we get a whole lot of people who try to get this wrapped up by the end of the year, um, and then we also have a whole lot of people who want to get started first uh, of next year, first to the new year. Um, so we'll have uh, a whole lot now, and then we don't get a ton of phone calls to start new work um, in December. They're typically calling us saying, can we schedule something for the first of the year? Yeah. And then also, Ben, I, and maybe I shouldn't tell people this, Uh-oh. it'll jinx me, but we, right, we, uh, we close the week between Christmas and New Year. So I call okay. that my Christmas break. 
Um, and I'll tell you what, that's wonderful. So I bet. Ben, I need to talk to your talk to the the higher the 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 bosses or the mm-hmm. higher ups and tell them that. And I found over the years, no one is coming in on Christmas Eve or December twenty seventh uh, to talk about something like this. Um, and it actually, it actually happened by accident, um, a good accident. But my wife and my son, um, my wife's work and uh, the daycare where my son goes, they are closed between Christmas and New Year. Ah, okay. So they're home the whole time. And it was two things. Part of it was, I can't leave her home uh, to defend him alone uh, for the whole uh, for the whole Christmas week while I come into the office. And then, frankly, I I kind of liked all three of us being home for like a week long weekend, uh, if if that makes sense. So that's been pretty nice. It's wonderful. And Ben, I actually. Uh, I try to sleep in a little bit, oh. although my what time is two that? and a half. What is that like? Eight or is that? Well, uh, oh, <laughs> no, my my two and a half year old alarm clock, um, who comes in and wakes us up. If uh, he doesn't wake us up until seven thirty, then we're we're doing Feeling we're doing good. great. I got gotcha. um, Yeah, I'm about to put him back in the crib because at least with the crib <laughs> he couldn't get out of it. But he just keeps getting up, getting up. And he thinks it's funny. Um, mm-hmm. You get the time where all of a sudden you're in a deep sleep, and then you hear, "Wake up!" Oh man! And there's a uh. two-year-old with a cheesy grin three inches away from your face. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Jeez. So um, it's it's not peaceful, but I I don't know. I I enjoy <laughs> it, and so we we try to do that. Um, and then, because we hit the ground running uh, beginning of the new year, um, and then uh, hopefully I can get all the Christmas decorations and things taken down during that week as well, so I can get all the housework done. Which very cool. By the way, I just, Ben, have you guys been seeing people with uh, like put their Christmas stuff out? I saw a couple people do it before Halloween, and I have a lot of people in our subdivision. I've seen all the Christmas some, stuff up some places. Yeah. <sighs> I'm I'm one of those not until I'm actually not until December first is kind of my preference. Although my wife uh, Thanksgiving weekends so like Black Friday and then Saturday right. and Sunday she puts all her stuff out. But for me, I don't want to hear Christmas music till December first. December first, we're good. Fair enough. Um, so I know. Looking around my subdivision, if any people who live near me are listening to this, I'm probably making them all mad right now because <laughs> it looks like Christmas Wonderland in our subdivision already. So That's funny. Well, we yeah. wish everybody a uh, happy holiday season. Anybody that's listening to the podcast, uh, when it's released, we, uh, we hope you have a good one and look forward to the new year. Today, though, we're talking about trusts, and I'm looking forward to learning more about the history of trust because you, you kind of you touched on it, Nick, the the whole reason this question gets asked is because for a long time, two trusts were pretty common, right? Yes. So going, uh, so throwback here, uh, so to speak, um, and this is, uh, I'm specifically referring to people who are a married couple. Um, so I, I want to clarify that. But years ago, um, even up until about uh, the last decade or so, the estate tax and think of that like a death tax or inheritance tax 
So I'm referring to uh, uh, something where when someone dies, there is a tax on the value of how much they have left. Um, so that's what. Uh, so we're not talking about an income tax, but it's how much money do you have when you die? Okay, you have this much money, so you get taxed on it. Uh, the laws were different, and each spouse and actually each person has an exemption amount. Okay, and and we're going to use round numbers here, Ben, because I was a math major for only one semester. Uh, we're going to go with lawyer math here. Um, <clears throat> but the exemption is the amount that you could pass on to your family without being taxed. And then anything more than that got subject to the tax. So almost think of it like the standard deduction on income taxes. Yeah. Your first so many thousand is not taxed. Um, <clears throat> so it was of only a few hundred thousand dollars uh, went tax-free. Anything above and beyond that got taxed. So let's say for round numbers, each person has $300,000 of uh, an exemption amount, so a free credit, and anything above that gets taxed. And the estate tax rate right now uh, federally is almost 40%, four zero. So it's a haircut. Um, <clears throat> states had inheritance taxes as well. And let's say, you know, husband and wife, maybe they have a house, a couple bank accounts, some life insurance. Um, let's say they have $500,000 total nest egg, right? Mm -hmm. Um, what would happen is if husband died and left everything to wife, um, there's an exemption between spouses. So you don't get taxed when you leave something to your spouse. So then wife would die two years later. She has all $500,000 and then she gets taxed on it because it's more than 300,000, um, Seems kind of unfair, right? But yeah. she uses up her three hundred thousand. Then there's two hundred thousand uh, that overflows and gets taxed. Okay. So you had to use separate trusts and basically say husband's trust has two hundred fifty thousand in it, wife's trust has two hundred fifty thousand in it, and what would happen is husband died, and it was as if, and I'm using air quotes here. 250000 was husband's separate money, which was under, <clears throat> excuse me, was under the 300000 that he had, so he didn't get taxed. And then wife had 250000 when she died, so the only thing that was considered in her estate or in her pocket was her trust. Her husband's money was not considered her money when she died for tax purposes. So she died with only 250000 the other half of it, to her name, so that way no one got taxed. Hmm. Okay, that's the way you did it. That was the way to combine forces, uh, if you will. <clears throat> so, um, And then there was something known as estate tax portability, uh, which was enacted uh, actually a decade ago, which allows you to basically um, retain or roll over the credit from the one spouse. So you don't have to do that anymore. So if husband dies, leaves everything to wife, and then she dies, she can use her 300000 and his 300000 because he didn't use it yet because he gave it to her. So they have a combined force of 600000 It's less than the, It's more than the 500000 They're good. 
Okay, so I know most people have probably tuned out right now because we started with a complex tax lesson. <clears throat> but for those of you who have trusts more than about 10 years old, um, if you're married, that's probably what they had to do because that was the only way to do it uh, back in the day. So, But as of the last decade, um, you can do that. You can combine forces without needing separate trusts. So you don't have to have two accounts for every account, um, and you can make life easier. So those listeners out there who have old documents, maybe old his trust and her trust, good news. Talk to your attorney. You can consolidate and simplify uh, without giving up tax problems anymore. That's interesting. So that's a really, I mean, when you think about it, a relatively new change. So for most people that, you know, created a estate plan and hopefully you're working with an attorney that's updating things and just kind of checking in with your life to right. make sure things are evaluated consistently. But if you're someone that just set that estate plan a while ago and just kind of rolled with it, now's a good time to, to have that conversation, huh? Exactly right. You, you got it. And we, we touch on this a lot. Set it and forget it's not a good option here. Right. Uh, I, I meet with a lot of families who come in with a huge stack of paperwork you know, his trust, her trust, half the house is in each trust, and, and they cut up the bank accounts. And I say, when's the last time you talked to your attorney? They say, oh, I don't even remember if he's still alive. Hmm. Well, you can make life easier now. Right. So the number of people who I talk to and I say, you don't have to do this headache anymore, they love it. So you're exactly right. Now, um, we still do separate trusts. Uh, in certain instances, Ben, but okay. it's not standard operating procedure like it was 10, 15, 20 years ago. Gotcha. Well, let's talk about some of the reasons then that, that you would maybe look beyond that single trust and opt for multiple trusts. Yeah, absolutely. And this is something that different situations could apply both to a single person and a married couple. Um, so the first one before was basically married couples had to do this. It didn't really apply as much to single people. Uh, some of these will apply in both situations. We'll start with um, the most common one that I see come across my desk. Uh, this is if you have a married couple, but they want to keep separate finances. Okay. Um, so a joint trust, so the Nick and Alicia Rosenbauer Trust, um, it operates the way a joint bank account would, where it's Nick's trust and it's Alicia's trust. So both spouses are the owners. Both of them are on on the account. Both have control. Both have access. Um, so if you don't want that, obviously you shouldn't have a joint trust. So separate trusts will keep you know, his and her accounts and assets separate. It doesn't throw everything into one pot and commingle things. Um, this comes up a lot... Actually, no, one more item that I think is uh, even more desirable for people who need this. It allows you to have separate inheritance plans. So if husband says, I want my money to go here, and wife wants her money to go somewhere else, you have the ability to do that. Um, this comes up most often uh, if there are separate children, or perhaps it's a second marriage, or a third marriage, or perhaps a marriage later in life, where you know, when they came into this, they already had their own money or uh, sometimes one spouse has a lot more um, 
in the in the bank than the other, and there's a bit of a disparity. And maybe husband says, when I die, I want my money to go to my three children. And wife says, well, I want my two children to get my money. So it's a good way to do that, especially if you don't want the spouse to have full access, full control. Um, and then another thing, Ben, and this is kind of sad, but it's good that we have solutions here. If there are separate families or blended families, um, it protects from situations where maybe the children have a bad relationship with their stepmom or their stepdad. Because, like, Ben, if you died tomorrow, and let's say your wife had three kids from before, um, and she gets all the money, what would happen if she had a falling out with the two kids that you had from a previous marriage? Mm-hmm. Okay, and all the money's hers. All she has to there's nothing stopping her from saying, "Well, Ben's two children, they're not my kids, and they've been brats. They haven't come around. They never liked me. Why the heck would I give them an inheritance?" Hmm. And so all of your money goes to her, and then she ends up leaving it to her children, you know, that uh, that are not your children. And then Ben, all your money goes away from your family, your children get nothing. Yeah, I wouldn't want that. <laughs> exactly. And obviously you have to be careful, Ben, with the you know, with the relationships here and the dynamics. Um but it protects your separate children from getting written out. So, you know, and, and there's more than one way to do it. If both spouses are independently wealthy, eh, if I die, I can just leave my money to my kids. I know my wife will be fine. She doesn't need my money. Uh, or what if they might need some money? Um, so instead of an outright payment, because um, if you just write a check to them, it goes into their bank account and it's gone, you can have money stay in the trust, almost like a rainy day fund or a reserve fund, and said so the money's here in case you run out of money and you need it because I want to take care of my spouse. But whatever does not get paid out for bills, um, then you keep it. It stays in your trust, and you can decide where it goes uh, after you pass away. So I could set something up saying, when I die, the money stays in trust, and it can be released for emergencies if my wife needs it. And then whatever is not spent on her when she dies, it stays in trust, and it goes to my kids. Okay. Okay. So— a little bit complicated, but it's it's usually that most often comes up when we have separate finances and perhaps not all of the children are joint children. Okay, gotcha. So that's the first circumstance. What's uh, what's another one you might consider a, another trust? Um, if we have a special account or a special asset, uh, or maybe something that has a different playbook or different rules than everything else. Um, so honestly, the vacation home, uh, the family business, the family farm, um, something like that, uh, is typically the special circumstance we're talking about here. So what if you have a situation where you say, give the money to my children, but then I have this family farm or, you know, a lake house and I want that to stay in the family and I want something ongoing you know, I want uh, I want the family vacation home to be maintained and passed down through the generations. 
I want all my kids and grandkids to be able to come to the, the vacation home in Florida whenever they want. Okay, so something like that would be a totally different playbook. So you might set up a separate trust just to hash that out Okay. Um, because the rules are different. And then another thing, Ben, uh, I don't know. Are you, Ben, are you an only, how many siblings do you have, Ben? I have two. Two. Okay, so you're one of three. Okay. Mm-hmm. What if your parents had a vacation home and they wanted all three of you to own it? Okay. You know, give it to the kids. That's not unreasonable. Right. Well, it's hard to put that in you and your wife's personal estate plan, one-third of a vacation home. Okay, that's that's not easy to do because you two, you're not in total control. Mm-hmm. Um, you have uh, siblings that are basically your business partners. So maybe set up a separate trust to involve all three are the spouses involved do you you know if your brother or sister dies do you really want to be a business partner with your in-law hmm. and, or, or what if your sibling dies and has four kids do you want four new business partners on this vacation home is that is that the way you want to do this um, so you can see how this can get a little bit hairy uh, if this is something where more than just you and your wife or one individual are involved with ownership. Um, and this works, you can see how this will work with a business as well. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if multiple people are inheriting the family business, um, just it doesn't work very well within husband and wife's joint plan when husband and wife are not the only people involved. Okay. And, we're, and just to kind of give you a quick tease coming up on the podcast here, we're going to do an episode just on the family vacation home itself too. So we'll go into that that scenario a little bit deeper and kind of explain some of the considerations for that as well. So make sure you subscribe uh, to the podcast to make sure you, you, you get that in case that's something you're interested in learning more about down the road. But we do have one more area here that you would want separate trust to help protect yourself. Exactly. And another teaser, we will actually give you the address uh, of Ben's private vacation home <laughs> and the uh, and the keypad code to get in into the gate and I'll even give you the combination lock to get to the uh, shed with the jet skis and the boat so that's next episode but right. you got to subscribe as, as, as soon as you as soon as you get that for me we'll uh, we'll, we'll share the information with everyone else <laughs> <laughs> so so stay tuned um, but anyway um, sometimes there's a liability protections at play uh, I think the most common thing that I hear families talk about is wanting to preserve or protect something in case they were to require nursing care um, in the future and they don't want to blow through all of their money and they don't want to have to sell uh, the vacation home or even their primary home to cover the nursing home bills. Um, Secondarily, you can look at lawsuit or creditor protection especially for some of my professionals who are in, and I I don't love this term, Ben, but almost like a high-risk type of profession where you have a a possibility of being sued. So a surgeon, okay, okay, or a doctor, or an attorney. You know how those attorneys are, right? (laughs) Um, So I'm trying to think what else. If you are a, if you drive for a living, Okay, so a truck driver, something like that, you know, big truck like that, you're on the road all the time. You get in a wreck with someone, something bad could happen. 
Okay, so you are at above average risk of getting sued. Um, <clears throat> so that's another way to look into it. Um, and you can set up a different type of trust, you know, something irrevocable, something that has a higher level of protection, which protects it from lawsuits, bankruptcy, creditors, nursing care costs, etc. Um, and the reason you would set up two trusts is you don't want to give up control on everything. Okay, you say, Nick, I don't want to put everything in the safe vault, and I don't have two pennies to my name. A lot of times that's unreasonable. Um, and Ben, I'll be honest with you, I wouldn't do that today. If you said I could protect everything just by giving up control and locking it away, I would look at you and say, I'm not even 40 years old. I don't want to have all of my money locked in a vault, and even I can't touch it for the rest of my life. Okay, so a lot of times you'd split the difference. And maybe we have a, a normal revocable trust for your estate plan uh, and your daily drivers and things like that. Um, but we would put a couple things into this vault. So perhaps say, uh, no matter what, the house, the vacation home, and this amount of money that I know I don't need to live, I can lock that in the vault, in the safe, and no matter what, that will be safe. And I guarantee that will be there for the kids no matter what happens in the future. Okay, so it's almost yeah. like splitting the difference. Okay, right. you have your estate plan, and then we have this separate vault um, for a couple items. And we say no matter what, those are safe. It's almost like an insurance policy, Okay, um, if that makes sense. Yeah. So again, another reason sometimes you have to have more than one trust, more than one, more than one of these at play. Uh, because we're handling different things in different ways uh, with different people involved and for different purposes. Very good stuff. Uh, so again, if you think that two trusts could be something you need or you want to maybe discuss further to find out if your scenario, your situation, your family requires that that extra attention, uh, you can always do so by visiting uh, the website, CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. You can schedule your consultation right there. Uh, on the front of the website, there's a big orange button you can press, and they'll give you the instructions on how to do that. But it's very simple and very quick to do. And I assume, Nick, I mean, I, I think this, I would I would guess this goes without saying, but if you ever did want to go down a two-trust path, that's probably not something that you just log on to, um, you know, make your own uh, estateplan.com and just draw up on your own, right? No, I, and I wouldn't do it even if this is not necessary for you. And it's not always required. Um, but first off, yeah, Rocket Lawyer or Legal Zoom, they're not going to tell you whether or not you need this. Um, and you could be doing it wrong. You could be overcomplicating things. Um, or the protection you think you get, you find out you don't have it, and then it's too late. Um, so, yeah, absolutely. Just You need to talk to an expert who deals with this every day and tries to understand your situation, okay? Because you see every every scenario is different here on why you would or wouldn't need it. And then hopefully they can outline the pros and the cons of here's why this would be helpful and here's why it probably wouldn't be necessary. Um, I think that's just as important as anything else. But yeah, I you know we talk about this all the time. Make sure you get it right. Talk to someone who knows what the heck they're doing and deals with this every day gives you the best chance to understand all the options and make the right call. 
Absolutely. And that's why we do this podcast to help kind of bring that uh, to your attention and kind of make you aware of why it's so important that you do that. So again, CincinnatiEstatePlan.com is the website. And please subscribe to the show too. If you, uh, if you haven't already, we do appreciate all the support we've gotten. That helps us continue to grow the show. And, uh, and again, spread the word too. If you know somebody that might be interested in anything we talk about, let them know about complete estate planning as well. All right, Nick, um, enjoy your, I guess, close out of the year. We talk, we'll talk one more time before the year is up, but, uh, we enjoyed today's conversation and, uh, hope to talk to you again soon. Yeah, absolutely. And again, remember that uh, teaser, everyone. Subscribe to the podcast and I will give you the garage code and the address <laughs> for Ben's uh, private vacation home. So that's coming up next time. The Complete Estate Planning Podcast is brought to you by the Rosenbauer Law Office, based in Westchester, Ohio, and serving the entire Cincinnati area. The show is available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and everywhere you listen to podcasts. Subscribe to the show on your favorite app today and never miss an episode. Just search for Complete Estate Planning with Nick Rosenbauer to find us or visit CincinnatiEstatePlan.com to listen to past episodes, to contact Nick, and to learn more about protecting your family legacy. That's CincinnatiEstatePlan.com. This show is for informational purposes only and does not provide any legal advice. Information on this show may not constitute the most up-to-date legal information. Please do not act or refrain from acting based solely on anything you hear on this show. This show does not form any attorney-client relationship with the Rosenbauer Law Office, LLC. Please seek the counsel of a qualified attorney before addressing your own estate planning needs.